morning, everybody. My name is Pastor Rich Lee, pastor here, and I am very excited to be here this morning. Um, I've been texting back and forth. I shouldn't be doing that in, in uh, our, our services, but if you didn't know, we planted a church in Lubbock, Texas, and their, their preview service is this morning, so we're really uh, praying for Story Church in Lubbock, Story Church in Lubbock. Our pastor is Leighton Lockett, who came out of Abilene to plant a church. So if you know anybody in Lubbock who wants to go to a dynamic church, um, go there. It's called Story Church. So really excited about that. We've, all the pastors in the region, been, we've been texting back and forth and giving him encouragement. So we believe in God to do something amazing in Lubbock and, and our Texas Tech crew up there. Amen? Amen. All right. So we're going to continue in our uh, Amazing Grace series. Um, I'm really excited about this. If you didn't know, we start off the year called with Amazing Grace. We start off with a, a five-day fast. We talked about all about God's grace, and then we turned it right into a sermon series. And the first week, if you knew, we talked about abundant grace that we able to. We are so excited that we reign in life that we don't have to worry about worrying life that we reign in life with Jesus. And then last week, we talked about something tough: justifying grace that our lives would change to eternal life. Eternal, I know where my ending is, and since I'm walking with Jesus, I already know what the end is, so I can have a great time in the middle. So when, today we're going to talk about sanctifying grace, sanctifying grace. And I told you when we were doing this series, what I want to do is make sure these words, that you understand exactly what these words mean. Because if we kick off a lot of words, and some people will cheer for it, but we have no idea what they mean. And it's okay, as long as you have a good definition, because once you know the grace of God in your life, you can walk in more freedom. Amen? Now, sanctification, big word. Now, if you're in Bible school, um, you'll know what that means. It means this, a continuous process. Everyone say continuous. continuous. Everyone say process. process. All righty. Of being transformed into the image of Christ. How many know that's hard? But how many know we have grace? How many know God is long-suffering? Amen. That doesn't mean you take advantage of them. That means you follow through. Now, sanctification, when you heard it before, people might say, well, it's only me to be separated from sin. But see, you're separated from sin and separated to God, which is devotion to God. Make sense? So you're separated from sin, but also the most important thing is you're devoted, also devoted in a big devotion to God, which I love is one of our key uh, Values here is devotion to God, because it's impossible to separate from sin. We're not being devoted to God. So today, what we're going to do, we're going to go in the book of Titus again. Seems like we're always in this book, and I'll tell you why we're in this book, because um, Titus had a tough congregation. I'm not saying that we're tough, but I'm telling you, he had a tough congregation. We're going to get in chapter two. We, we do mirror a lot of this, especially me. Anyway, um, Titus chapter two, verses 11 through 14. Titus chapter 2, verse 11 through 14. It said, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-control, upright, and godly lives in the present age. Everyone say today. today. Okay. Waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing in the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, who are zealous, everyone say, I'm zealous, zealous. to work. Yeah, <laughs> see, y'all didn't want to say that part, did you? <laughs> zealous for good works. All right, Father, I thank you this morning. 
I ask that we understand what sanctification means. And Lord, once we realize the grace that you have given us, the gifts that you have given us, the gifts we can unwrap, we can walk, walk more in freedom. We thank you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, I was preparing for this sermon. Also, we had a, a fast, and they did it. They talked about uh, doing our uh, fasting God. They had a little thing in there called my life coaches. Anybody been coached by anybody? How about high school, college? Anybody been coached? Yes. Two people, three people. I can tell the difference now. All righty. Okay. All right. You got to get off the machines and you got to be coached. All right. So, well, this thing, this phenomenon happened over the last few years called life coaching. Life coaching. It says in 2018, it was the second growing industry in the country. And I believe because it, uh, personal coaching industry netted about $1 billion. Not bad. 2019, $15 billion. Now, what... What's the qualifications of, of a life coach? You're required to have excellent listening and questioning skills. The ability to quickly bond with clients from different backgrounds. Isn't that amazing? The ability to inspire, motivate clients to achieve goals. The confidence to challenge clients, but in a caring way. That mean? Now, let's look at the salary. These guys get paid pretty well. Executive coaches make about $325 an hour. A business coach makes about $235 an hour. A life coach makes about $160 an hour. I'm like, man, I'm in the wrong job. <laughs> Annual salary is about over $60,000. Now, here it is. Spiritual life coaches make an average of $83,000 per year. Wow. Spiritual life coach. Look at the job description. Coaches are responsible for guiding people that are confused on what to do in their lives. They support goal setting, personal growth, behavior modification for the clients. These professionals help people to achieve their goals by improving different actions necessary to take control of future plans. A good coach will push you. Isn't that amazing? Now, some of the reasons why we might need a life coach. See, I looked this all up on the internet, so I'm smart. You have trouble following through with goals. Limiting beliefs have you been, been holding you back. Lack of faith. Anxiety and stress are reoccurring themes in your life. You're unable to define a clear vision. Your finances and health relationships, business or career or business is in complete disarray. The passion you once had for life is gone. Whoa. Now here's the big one. You're completely lost and you feel like all hope is gone. Isn't that amazing? So you need, if you have that, you need a life coach. Now Albert Einstein said something tremendously when we talk about where we're going next. He said, problems cannot be solved by the same level of thinking that created them. So he knew the gospel. Now, we have, we have, as Christians, we have a life coach. It's called the grace of God. It's called the grace of God. Now, if you look at this story, Paul, this is what we call a pastoral letter to one of his pastors, Titus. Timothy, 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, he was, they were um, disciples of Paul. And Paul put Timothy in Ephesus, and he put uh, Titus in Crete. 
Because Titus can handle Crete. Timothy could not handle Crete because Timothy was having enough problems in Ephesus. Now, Crete was an amazing church. It was, it was out of control. It was a lot of false teaching going on. And he was told to teach right doctrine. But before you teach right doctrine, you got to display right doctrine. So you just can't teach and not follow. That's what he was saying. So the greatest thing is, this is what he is. They was like, and Paul would write letters to his pastors just like a coach. Hey, get in there and do your job. It's a great, those are two great letters that tell you exactly how you want your church to go, how God wants you to create this thing that on the earth called the church. And he was very encouraging to those guys. And he even said, because the people that he dealt with in Crete, they were talking, these people were just out of control, the people in the church. And Titus was brought there to bring order and really share the gospel. So when you break that out and talk about sanctification, what happened was a church that was born again, but they were still walking in the world. And then they, when they walk in the world, they bring all these universal things with them, which you call, we call New Age aunts today. And they say, oh, I love Jesus, but that's all, I, that's all I have is I love Jesus. I'm not going to do anything else. Life has stopped. And that's not how God works. So today we're going to look at this passage. We're going to cover about three areas. We're going to cover out the personal grace, the purpose of grace, and then the reward of grace. Now, if you take a note, the first thing you realize when you look at chapter 2, verses, um, verse 11, grace is not just a doctrine, it's a person. See, grace is a doctrine, but it's also a person. What does he say? For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. What do you mean the grace of God has appeared? Jesus appeared. That word appeared means this. Well, you get the word epiphany, epiphano, which means to achieve a purpose. Now, Jesus became the incarnation, the manifestation and appearance of grace on the earth. The word incarnation means God became man and grace showed up right face to face with us. We had to pull from heaven. Heaven came down and pulled it here on earth. He, and he, what was the chief purpose? Here I am, the grace of God. Jesus, who gave us grace upon grace. God initiated something against mankind. He came down as a person and said, grace has arrived. Well, you can't help yourself. I'm here to help you get to everything, get back in relationship with God. I mean, no, that's good news. Right. He initiated the move. Now, it says that in, uh, salvation was made for all, to all people. What? The finished work of Jesus on the cross. Not that he was going to finish. He finished the work on the cross. The finished work of Jesus Christ. See, the gospel is the source of all. Everyone say all. All grace. All training. All everything. What people are paying big money is free. Our, the gospel is our life coach. The grace of God is our life coach. Our Savior came, like we talked about last week, brought his grace. First thing, he, he uh, saved us. Then the second thing, he justified us. So he, he switched my eternity from damnation to with God forever. And now he says, I'm going to sanctify. I got to teach you how to live the life that I raised up for. Isn't that amazing? So it's always, how many know it's a process? How many perfections do I have here this morning? Everything's got to be right on time. And you let yourself down all the time. Right? I get up every morning, I let myself down. 
Now, if you're a guy and you say, I don't let, no, I'm good. I'll ask your wife. I got to look in her face and see how good you are. Because guys say, I'm, I'm good. And I have to ask the wife. No, he's not good. He won't tell you, but this is what happened. And he said, how'd you know all that? How do you think? <laughs> Everybody says amen now. The guys, guys are like, I'm throwing me under the bus. I know, because Donna ain't here. But, so, grace, the Savior, became grace, the teacher. Grace teaches and empowers. Grace teaches and empowers. Look, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, live self-control upright in godly lives in the present age. That word renounce means to say no, to deny. It's like you're taking something and you're denying the way the words, that word is split out, that you're denying a relationship. You're throwing away the old relationship and you're picking up the new one. To renounce, to say no. He gives you empowerment to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. With the word worldly passion means lust. So it is. I lust for position. I lust for all, all these things, for power that's in us. I lust for control. What happened in the garden? God gave them every, gave Adam and Eve everything. But when they said you can be like God, they lusted for the position. They lusted for the knowledge of what God knew. And look where we are now. Right? That's in us. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life saying, I don't have any of those problems. Right? Lust. And you got not just say no, which I love, say yes to self-control, upright, godly lives. Today. Not tomorrow. Today. It doesn't just say you know. Now, you, when it happens is, if you start living religiously, all you're going to hear is, no, you can't, no, you can't, no, you can't but you have nothing to fill it with. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. What you say no to, well, you know, okay, let, let's look at it this way. Opposite of self-control is really self-centeredness. Are you self-centered? It's everything about you. I love last week, everyone put their quotes about Martin Luther King. He said, here's the question of the hour. He's prophetic. Here's the question of the hour, 2020. What are you doing for people? What are you doing for other people versus just yourself? Do you think about yourself first, or do you think about people, other things first? It's a big thing because now we're a self-centered culture, right? Life coaches, I need to be the better of me so I can achieve more of me. Right? It's not about us. It's, about, it's not about anybody else. It's about me. If I feel better, right, if I have confidence, if I have... You know when you find confidence? You know how you grow? Y'all want to know how you really grow? Serving. You grow by serving. You mature by serving. You stay immature by not serving. Because it's all about you. You ever been? You got your jaw fixed me? Let me pull that out. I got, I got this anger problem. I won't do anything. I get all these problems out of me. No, no, no. As you walk, it'll be poured out of you. You want to know how to have patience? You want to know how to deal with your anger problem? Serve. You want to know about concentration? Go serve in the children's area. You, you have a lack of focus? Go serve in the two- and three-year-old. Because you'll see how much unfocused they are, and they're going to make you focus on them. Yeah. 
You want to see miracles? You got to move. Miracles don't happen when you're not moving. Right? It's like power steering in a car. If you don't, if you don't move without the, remember the days, well, some of you are too young. Didn't have, back in the days when we had telephones, we also had cars with no power steering. You couldn't sit in the car and do this. You had to keep what? Moving before you turn. And y'all looking at me like I'm crazy. YouTube will tell you all that. <laughs> but how do you renounce sin? One thing you got to deal with, most of everything we got to deal with in, li- in this life, when you're walking with God, is what we call temptation. Tempted to do things your way. Tempted to um, this and power and all that. Well, Jesus beat that. How many know in, G- in Matthew 4, 1 through 11, when the devil came to tempt Jesus? How many know he spent 40 days without food and water? And he said, if you're, if you're a God, turn those, makes sense, turn those rocks into bread. Turn them into some good bread, some warm bread with some butter on it so you can have a great time. And your body's like, yeah. Problem is, the devil didn't count. He miscounted what Jesus was doing. You know what he lived off for 40 days? He lived off the word of God. He lived off the word of God that taught him how to say, because he was fully human and fully God, how to say no. You want to say no to your flesh? Find that word that's opposite of that. You think about you have pride, you're the only one, you know, you don't know you have pride. It's pride like bad breath. You're the last one to know you have it. But you, you can tell by if it's all about me, you got to find that word. About the oh, have the mind of Jesus, mind of Christ, who humbled himself. He was with, he fell off the word for forty days, and then he gave the word. And it says at the very end, the angels came and ministered to him. So he wasn't there by himself. He was teaching us. Adam fell when he was full, and Jesus passed when he was empty. What does that mean? Empty yourself and give your life to Jesus fully. He was full. I mean, he had the whole garden and everything. All you want to eat, nice wife, everything he had going, he fell. But when the, the one that was empty, who emptied himself, it says in the Bible, he emptied his life and became like us. He was empty and he didn't sin. When you are empty of your own self, you will not sin. Because the word sin means, the, word, the middle letter of sin means I. I like I, I, I. And, you got, and God spends all eternity getting rid of your eye. That's the gospel, right? But we want to keep alive ourselves. We can't. You can't, you can't even. I love what Jaron said. We walked into a new kingdom with a new mindset. There's nothing about you. You, have, you know where you went? You denied that. And it says, oh, it says, oh, deny yourself? Deny. Pick up the cross and deny yourself. Does he say weekly? Does he say monthly? He says what? Yeah. So every morning you got to get up, deny myself. Make sense? Yeah. And here's the thing. You're not doing it on your own. If you access God like Jesus did, he accessed his father, he was able to beat the toughest thing there was. But if you try to do it on your own, you can't. If you don't know it's written, you're going to be beat up. 
Get away from me, devil. He goes, yeah, okay, I got him. Now I have no word in him. Let me overtake him. When you speak the word, because you know the word, he can't stand it. But also, the more you speak the word, the less you speak your own word. Why? Sanctification empowers us to live victorious over the... There's a power, what I call a power of sin. There's a power of sin over us. Ephesians 2, 2 says, And once you once walked following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the spirit, sons of disobedience. It's a spiritual thing. It's not a, it's not a, um, a physical thing. Sin is spiritual. And you have to break the power of sin. What breaks the power of sin? Sanctification. That's what breaks the power. The gospel breaks the power of that. Me walking more with God breaks the power of those urges, breaks the power of pornography, breaks the power of all those things. But you got to be walking in the power of the cross. And what's the power of the cross? Jesus. And he came down. He made the first move. You're next. Make sense? That's the amazing thing about grace. You're not here struggling out like, I got to work it out. No, he's worked it out already. Just dance on the finished hope. My job, here's my job as a pastor. My job every week is to get up and encourage you and to remind you of who you are through the word. When everyone wants to feel this way, no, you're better than that. No, Jesus did a lot more. He died for that. Well, I'm, I'm overcome by, no, it has been broken on your life. You got to remember that. Remember who you are. Remember who he says you are. It's my job. To remind you who you are. When you worship God, you, he reminds you of who you are. Now, we realize, I love this quote by Canon Hay Atkins. The School of Grace is an amazing book. He said, grace not only saves, but undertakes our training. Undertakes our training. The School of Grace is an amazing book. I love this book. See, not grace only transform our eternity. How many of your eternities transform? How many of you don't know the end already? Eternity is already transformed, right? No, but after that, it helps you now to live victoriously now. Not till you get when you get with the by and by. Right now is the victorious time. You're victorious right now. Pastor Rich, I don't feel, man. We talked about feeling glad. It doesn't matter what you feel, it's who you are. You're victorious. And if you're feeling the weight of that, that's good. That means you're in a good spot. You got to read the Bible. When Paul said, hey, listen, there's an opportune, uh, an open door, but there's also a lot of adversaries. Walk through the door of faith and watch you get hit. At, with, along with the opportunity becomes, comes with it. Opportunities come, comes with uh, obstacles. Now, don't you wish you just walked through the door and no problems? Nah. How are you going to strengthen your how are you going to strengthen your faith? How many people love to lift weights? Doc, you always raising your hand. You better you make me do it. Um, <laughs> isn't it resistance? Isn't it muscle you're flexing? How's your muscle of faith doing? How's your muscle of faith doing? Every day, read your Bible. Read your Bible every day. There you go. Saying, Pastor Rich, you're great. Why? What happens? As godliness increases in your life, guess what decreases? Sin. 
As godliness increases in your life, ungodliness decreases. As selfishness decreases in your life, self-control increases in your life. You got to plus one up and lower the other. But here's the greatest thing. We don't have to do it on our own at all. Isn't that the grace of God that he knows where you were? He knows where you are right now. He still has you on the path. He didn't fire you. Don't fire yourself. Everyone said, God's not done with me. We know that already. Stop using that excuse. Okay? All right, we all know that already. That's the excuse that I don't want to do nothing. That's all fine. Just keep going, right? Exactly. Oh, man, some of y'all use that excuse. Not in me anymore. Don't do that anymore. Here's a powerful thing when you get to the end of that scripture. God redeems and God rewards. Grace redeems and grace rewards. Look at it. 30, waiting for our blessed hope. Who's our blessed hope? Eternity, right. Appearing for the glory of God for our great, appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, redeemed us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, who are zealous for good works, I love this part. The hope that we have is not a wish. It's certainty. Make sense? Now, God not only gave Jesus to us, he gave him up for us. That's that's good stuff. He didn't just give us, he gave us up for us. What is he talking about? When he gave us up, he bought us with a price. We've been bought out of sin. We've been bought with a price. We've been bought with good money. And here's the thing about sin. If you don't remove it, if you don't move, it will enslave you. We were bought out of slavery. Where you were once slave to sin, now, through God's grace, you have broken that slavery. Now you're a slave to the king. You're a son and a daughter. You went from slave to a son and a daughter of the king who broke all, all, everyone said all, all sin. Broke it. Broke it all. Now, doesn't that mess with our daily life? Yes, we have that in our daily lives. But sanctification breaks the power of sin. Breaks it. I renounce it. It breaks it. It breaks it. Like a breaker. Which I love. Here's the grace about Grace appearing. It appears so we can live, we can live his word and truth and deed. So we can live in his word and truth and deed. Zealous for good works. Zealous for good works. Zealous for good works. Can I remember that? One thing I like, I have a um, hot tub, and it's great. You have back problem, they give you a discount on, uh, at uh, West Texas Pool and Spots. And uh, what happens, what happens with it, if it doesn't, uh, we don't use it in the summer sometime, and, we turn, and the jets, even though it's still moving, it starts to, stuff starts to grow on it. It starts to get stale. 
and just things start growing inside the tank. And it looked like, oh, my gosh, this water is impossible. We, we need to call somebody. And I remember calling him. I said, hey, man, you got to come overhaul my, my, uh, my hot tub. It's just a mess. We, we haven't been able to use it, and we had a problem with the motor. You guys fixed the motor. But this place is a mess, he said. I said, I'm going to dump all the way. He said, don't dump out the water. He said, go get these two chemicals, put it in, and throw the jets on. Throw the jets on. Throw the jets on. So I hit it three times, cleaned it three times. All that gunk, all that crud, and it went through the filters. And clean water came out. That's what grace does. When you're not, you can't be zealous for good works, you're going to be overtaken by the enemy. Let me tell you, if you don't serve God, what happens? Everything you do, you think is significant, it isn't. You don't even feel, you feel empty inside, and you try to fill it with all the wrong things. And you're like, you, and which is that, that water, what they, I was going to do was going to go get me a, uh, a scrubber and a, and, a, and a net, and I was going to haul all the garbage out of it. And I'm going to, until, I won't even get in the tub until I hauled all the garbage out of it. Versus all I did was turn the jets on in a day and a half. I got in the water. What? I'm not going to sit there and haul out if I have anger problems. I'm not going to sit down and hang and haul that out. I'm going to go ahead and turn the jets on of the word. I'm going to turn the jets on of the Holy Spirit and let them flush it out. I got to keep moving, though, for me to receive that. It has to be flow. It has to keep moving and keep moving and keep moving and keep moving. Otherwise, you're not moving, you're going to get stuck, and you're going to start stinking. Yeah. And we live in a society today, let's not do anything, just consume everything. Don't we? We do. We work with some people like that, and y'all get frustrated with them. Because they haven't figured out the, really the power of God and what it is when Jesus says, I didn't come to serve, I came to be, I can't, I can't be, not come to be served, I came to serve and give my life for ransom of many. If God gave him to us and gave him up for us, how come we don't give our life to God and give our life up for God? Think about it. God, keep moving. How's your jets? How's your word time? How's your, how's your time in the Holy Spirit? Your time with God. Otherwise, you're going to sit here and, uh, and everything will overtake you. Anger will overtake you, right? All these things you didn't know, and you're going to sick your time, and you're going to get upset, and your, your prayer time is going to, God, take this away from me. He says, just get up and keep walking. They'll run out of you. Right? Here's what the church has to get out of. How many love buffets? Well, we done in Western church when we felt like all it is is entertainment and no one here is a disciple. We have trained you to come and sit at a buffet. Now, here's the thing about the buffet. Uh, you get all the meal. You sit there. And in Las Vegas where we lived, you paid after you ate. But a person who doesn't serve a person doesn't give. Yeah, but would you would you get upset if you were serving people and they they just skipped the check? And they just left and didn't pay. Isn't that hard? You'll say, how can that happen? 
Happens a lot on Sunday mornings. Menu, children, menu, word. It's great. Oh, offering. Um, Can I skip that check? And then we have no all excuses we have because we're sitting there. When it gets better, when I get more money, when I, when I, when I, is it ever going to show up? No. What he said today was, was key. He said something that's tremendous because we did a story. I had to do a story with a leadership talking about the college students who give. When they give a dollar, what he, he, what he, uh, what, Brian Dodd had said, he turned the other way. He said, you know what you're doing? He said, look at the story of the widow's might. She gave all she had. If they got a dollar, they gave, and they know they'll have no money, and they know they're not going to make it to the bean or whatever else. They gave all they have. It doesn't matter the amount. It's giving all that you have. Make sense? You mean being given? Yes. The grace of God received, he gave all, God gave all what? He had. And we can skip the check. Not serve, we can skip the check. Not give, we can just skip the check and say, hey, another buffet. And if I get tired of this buffet, I'm going to go to another one. Because they got better food over there. The grace of God says, I can't. Grace God, it's impossible. I I live in such a, I'm so grateful, I got to give. I got to give. How are we doing? Why? I love Ephesians 2.10. God set it up for us, man. For we are his workmanship created in who? When you look at the word created, it's when you're born again, you're recreated in Jesus. So you have a new, so have a new mind. Have a new mentality. See? For good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in. Why did God prepare good works? This is why. Grace makes works possible because he empowers us. Right? And also makes works necessary that challenges us. The grace of God is amazing, but I have to participate in the grace of God. It's amazing, but I have to participate. Now, we got amazing people in this church. we got people who live all the way out in Tyler and will give more than people who live right here in town. Because why? They recognize the grace of God. It's just about when you realize that, oh, my goodness, sanctifying grace empowers me. Sin's been broken all my life. Now I'm free to live fully for you, God. I'm not going to be pulling stuff out of the pan. I'm just going to let it wash. When I have a bad day, I just let it wash through. I get in the Word, and I just let, I just get with God, wherever it is, outside. Because, you know, you don't have to set up time for God. It's just, all you got to do is stop. Most of you say, if you just stop, you'll probably hear my voice, which is me, right? I'm not telling you anything I don't do on a daily basis. Because the more you're in leadership, the more you need to do this. Because if I'm, not the, if I'm not a model of good works, like he told T- Titus, you will never catch it. Because it's caught, not just taught. Make sense? If you're a believer, what's your pattern? Do you have any patterns on godliness? 
or something you need, worldly passion, you need to say no to. You got to say no because it's already been taken care of on the cross. Got to say no to it. How many want more energy? Now, if you have a new child, it's okay. There's, there's grace for that until college comes. <laughs> anyway, I don't want to get too ahead because y'all got about four more to go. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> I had this prophetic thing I got. Um, but you got to realize the grace of God is surrounding you. If you Jesus follow, he's in you. But if you ignore it and don't participate in it, all you're going to have is a life of, I'm just so glad I made it. Versus, I'm victorious. Life, I'm not going to let life take me. I'm going to start taking life by the hand. Make sense? Let's all stand. I'm gonna do a, I want to do a, uh, what I call a confession. How many love to confess things? How many like to confess things? See, y'all got quiet. I must have hit a lot of toes this morning. It's okay. I'm just talking about me. Like, I'm perfect? No way. Ask Miss Donna. If I ever say I'm perfect, go ask her. Okay? And she'll tell you the truth all the time. Amen? I think I put it on the screen. Did y'all get, did y'all get that? The confession? Yeah. All righty. Now, we're going to say this together because you got to get into your spirit. Okay? And all we're, doing, all we're doing, when you confess the word, you're praying the word. And when you pray the word, you won't pray in error. Make sense? So let's do it together. Heavenly Father, thank you. Uh-huh. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? All you did was pray the word. All you did was just turn on the jets. So all you did. When you turn on the word, you turn on the jets. Take a seat for a moment. We're going to do something special. I forgot to tell you that, right? No, I, you already knew that. We want to take up an offering. Usually on the last Sunday of every month we do it, we're going to get back to taking missions offering. We had tell um, Volcano in the Philippines explode. And we have our church, one of our biggest churches in the Philippines, 89,000 people. But it, when it blew up, with that where that um, volcano blew off, it displaced over 270,000 people just in one region. And our churches there are gathering and helping people. I've been in, when I went to the Philippines back in 1980, gosh, no, 94, after, uh, after one of the volcanoes blew off, we still had to wear a mask during the day. It's a two or three year thing you're wearing a mask. Pinatubo, is that the name? Pinatubo. That's the one, Pinatubo. We had to wear masks everywhere we were downtown because the ash was still coming in the air. Now, when it rained, it rained dirt. Well, and it helps respiratory problems. 
And what we want to do as a church, whatever it is, you can give on our push pay on missionary missions, and all we want to give this morning. What we want to do is help them in their relief efforts. It's a lot going on over there. Just as this one region, I'm telling you, Philippines is a whole lot bigger than that. I think um, just one region, 270,000 people have been misplaced. But the ash is the one that's going to be ongoing and ongoing. So whatever the Lord puts on your heart to give, it doesn't matter what you give him. The grace of God, once we execute giving, which you'll find out enriching grace, we execute the grace of giving, God will execute his grace of blessing. So whatever you give, it multiplies wherever it's going. And all of us in around in the North American world are giving right now to help our brothers and sisters in the Philippines because they are brothers and sisters. And that's a natural disaster they need help with. Amen? Let me pray. Father, I ask that you just bless those who are giving today. God, the 270,000 families that have been misplaced in South Lazoon, Father, I pray right now this state of calamity through our giving when we leave. Move our hearts to what moves yours. It's about people. We, some of us can't recognize what that might feel like, but Father, as we go around the world and we go see the world, we'll see the, the pains of the world. That was impactful, seeing us wearing masks for, the 30, for 35 days and just a normal life wearing a mask. Father, not for colds, but just for the elements outside. So bless those families. We declare them blessed and bless our giving. In Jesus' name, amen.